First of all, I must thank the MSF for in, uh, inviting me to speak this Sunday, which is uh, MSF Sunday. In fact, uh, Mr. Tan Kok Hock and my brother Chok Sin, they told me right in, actually in January already uh, to be prepared. So I thought, you know, I can be prepared without having a, a mask on today. I have to wear a mask on. So uh, before we go to the uh, before we, I share the, the message with you this morning, let us go to the Lord in prayer. A sovereign God, fill us with joy in your presence this morning to come and worship you. Help us to be aware of your presence, to be fully present today in this sanctuary, to seek your face in times such as these, let our minds and hearts be fixed on you. Let us make time for you as we listen to your words. Let nothing in this world distract us to seek you with all our hearts. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you in your sight, our rock and our great Redeemer. Amen. To commemorate the MSF Sunday, I'd like to share a poem for the MSF seniors. But this poem is also for the young. So when young, I was worried about my pimples. But then when I'm old, I'm worried about my wrinkles. When young, I was, hold, I was waiting to hold her hand. When old, I was longing to be alone. When I'm old, I'm worried about why I'm alone. When I was young, I hated being advised. When old, there is no one around to talk or advise. When young, I admired beautiful things. When I'm old, I see beauty in things around me. When I was young, I felt I was eternal. When I'm old, I know soon it will be my turn. When I was young, I celebrated the moments. When I'm old, I'm cherishing my memories. When I was young, I wanted to be a heartthrob. When old, I'm worried when will my heart stop. At extreme changes of our life, we worry. But we don't realize life needs to be experienced. It doesn't matter whether young or old, life needs to be lived and lived with love and love all you live with. So friends, this Sunday, MS Sunday, the passage that was read was taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 22 to 31. And I have structured this message into three parts. Now let's look at these three parts. We look at first at the certainty and uncertainty in these days. And how we face uncertainty and how we can embrace God's certainty today. 
regarding certainty and uncertainty. We all love certainty. And certainty is defined as a state of being free from doubt. Certainty gives us a sense of control over the events in our life. And certainty gives us security. And that's why we love certainty. But the John F. Kennedy, whom you all know very well, the youngest president of the United States of America, he was too certain about himself. When he visited Dallas in Texas, a friend of his said to him, you certainly cannot say that the people of Dallas haven't given you a nice welcome, Mr. President. To which he replied, his final words, no, you certainly can't. And what happens? He was slain. He was too certain about himself. Benjamin Franklin talks about certainty and he says these words, in this world, nothing can be certain except death and taxes. So friends, the reality today, the most things in life are uncertain. Isn't it true? We cannot be certain that tomorrow, tonight we sleep and we are certain that we will wake up alive. We cannot be certain about so many things in our life. What are some uncertainty? uncertainty? Today, we are threatened by the coronavirus. We are uncertain whether we will be caught by the coronavirus. There's uncertainty about economic recession, loss of jobs which people are already facing in Malaysia, loss of business, children's schooling when for several months they have not been in school. Schools in Selangor have been closed and this has disrupted the education of our school children. We are also uncertain about the political situation now in our country. Sometimes we do not know who to believe. We are so uncertain. We are uncertain about travel restrictions. Before that, before the coronavirus hit us, we can go anywhere we like. But now, we cannot even leave the country for certain countries, and certain countries will not even accept us. We face the uncertainty of isolation, loneliness. And this is something that we are all facing, the all these types of uncertainty in our very lives today. And today we want to look at how, our, as Christians, how do we respond to uncertainty? So where uncertainty prevails, one thing that happens to us is this, worry. Worry sets in and overwhelms us. It is interesting, I look up the dictionary, and in the Old English, the meaning of worry means to choke or strangle. It means what? When we are worried, we strangle ourselves. We are choked 
It's just like the coronavirus. We get choked because why? Our lungs do not have oxygen which we need to breathe and to be kept alive. Question is, are we choked or strangled today because of all the uncertainties that we are facing? Some of us, we are very blessed because we still have food on our tables. But there are other families, they don't know when tomorrow there will be food on the tables. They are not sure tomorrow they will have a job. So how, let's look at how we face uncertainty. But before that, I'd like just to distinguish two words here. One is worry and one is concern. When we look at worry, worry is based on fear or assumptions. There are a lot of what ifs. What if today I will go to, go to a restaurant and then I get caught by the coronavirus? So it's based on fears or assumptions, whereas concern is based on reality, present or past, with facts. I remember when my wife wants to go for a piano examination, Royal School of Music, she gets very scared and she worried. And I always tell her, hey, you don't have to worry, you have to be concerned. Because if you are concerned, you take steps to practice your piano pieces so that you are ready to face the ex music examiner. So concern is something that we take action. That's why we look at worry, which is problem-oriented, whereas concern is solution-oriented. We find a solution to it. And that's why we say, we are concerned. So if you don't want to say you're worried, say today, afterwards, after today's service, say, I'm concerned, rather than I'm worried. Because worry, the thoughts can be depressing and negative. Concern, the thoughts are positive. When you worry, we lose our sense of mind. Because why? We lost a sense of control. Whereas when we are concerned, we are focused and we are calm. So we ask ourselves, as, you know, as children of God, are we worried or are we concerned? Dr. Tony Evans says this about worry. Worry is when the situation is controlling you and you are no longer controlling the situation. And he goes on to say, worry is concern gone haywire. And he added, worry is doubt about whether God can take care of us. Worry is doubt when God can, what? We doubt God can take care of us. If we look at the Bible characters, there are quite a number of examples which I have no time to, to give as examples in detail. We have people like Daniel. Daniel faced so much uncertainty. Exiled to Babylon at the age of 15. And at the age of 67, he was looking at the book of Jeremiah. He was exiled as a teenager. Can you imagine Daniel faces so much, faced so much uncertainty? 
What about Joseph? Sold into slavery, uncertainty for him, and later again went into the dungeon because of Potiphar's wife. What about Joshua, who faced uncertainty when Moses died? Friends, I'd just like to share with you, uh, most of what we worry about uh, never happens. Never happens. There was a study done at Cincinnati University. And they studied people over an extended period of time and found that 85% of what they worried about never happened. They never happened. What they worried about never happened at all. Just imagine that. And then they found out about the millennials, the young people. 2017 survey. This was uh, published by New York Post. They showed that the average respondent spent the equivalent of 63 full days a year that means what? It's almost two months worried and stressed out. And we have read about cases now in Malaysia. The number of mental health problems have already increased. That's why we have to look at the Christian response to uncertainty. And especially when uncertainty hits us, we worry. Look at the example modern example of Martin Luther King. I like his speech, Martin Luther's speech. A friend of mine went to Georgia, Alabama, and I told her, when you reach there, will you please give me a scroll of his mountain speech? I still have the speech, but it's not an original copy, of course. Dr. Martin Luther King says this, well, I don't know what will happen now, we have got difficult days ahead. But it doesn't matter now with me because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I'm just want, I just want to do God's will and it's allowed me to go up to the mountain. The next day, he was shot dead. He knew that his life is going to come to an end. But you find that Dr. Martin Luther King was not worried to add further. He was not even concerned about his life. He left everything to the hands of God. So we look at the passage that was read by Janet Ng. The passage that was read is actually part of the Sermon on the Mount. And there is also a similar passage found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Let me read quickly. Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 to 26. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what nor about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and feeds, and God feeds them. If you have time to go home, you read before this passage, 
Christ was preaching on the parable of the rich fool. You remember this man? He became so rich, his harvest was plenty, and he started to build what? He said, I want to build barns tomorrow. He wants to do this and he wants to do that. And the Lord tell you what? Tonight, your life will be gone. He was certain of his wealth. But Christ has something to teach the people to consider even the ravens. And the passage continues, Oh, how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Interesting, isn't it interesting what Christ preached? And he goes on in verse 26, If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Notice that in these verses, Christ's exhortation not to worry, he did that three times. And Jesus was speaking to the poor Galileans who were not certain of food for tomorrow. Because the Galileans under the Romans, they have take, the Romans have taken their land. And they are worried also what, that tomorrow they will have no food on the table. And that's why Christ spoke to these simple poor Galileans on the Sermon on the Mount. So they were asked to consider the ravens. And the ravens were a common type of birds found in Galilee. Now the ravens is larger than a crow and has relatively short legs. And this is a picture of a raven. So the raven is not like our Malaysian crows. The place where I live, we have a nickname. We call it Taman Gaga, which means in it's a translation from Bahasa Malaysia, which means what? Crow Garden. Because we have so many crows. And you wake up, you hear the choir of the crows and make so much noise. And not only that, crows feed on dead things, rotten things. Dead rats, right, found on the streets. So the ravens, like the crows, were considered unclean birds. And that you can go back and refer to Leviticus chapter 11, verse 15, and Deuteronomy 14, 14. The reason is they feed on dead animals, rotting flesh, scavengers, and they were carrion eaters. That means they feed on rotten flesh. But in spite of that, the ravens, God cares for them. In Job 38, verse 41, we were told, the young ravens cry unto God when they have no meat. And God provides even to the ravens. And that's why Christ gave the example of what? Consider the ravens, the unclean even birds. In Psalms 147, verse 7 to 9, we see God's provision for the ravens and their young even. And in the passage, just now we read even about God considering the ravens. So, friends, when we worry, for example, we have the COVID-19 pandemic, the unseen enemy today, which we never expect, is only one nanometer, and it has caused so much uncertainty globally. To give you an idea of what nano, one nanometer is, imagine a marble compared to the whole Earth. And that is the size of a coronavirus. It's so small, but it's so devastating to us. 
October 17 or 15. In fact, yesterday I checked with the John Hopkins University data on COVID. Yesterday was already 39 million. Death is already 1.4 million. 1.1 million, sorry. 1.1 million. So the COVID pandemic asks different, uh, give, arise, uh, uh, give rise to several questions. And they are difficult questions. Is the virus airborne today? When will this be over? When will we survive this? When will a vaccine be available? What comes next? And it's interesting uh, to read uh, recently a report. Uh, they say that of those people uh, who had COVID virus, uh, those of us uh, who have blood O, you are less susceptible to COVID virus. How many of you got blood O? Raise your hand. Ah. Those who are more susceptible group, group A. The group A blood. So I don't know how far it's true. But from the patients, the blood which they tested, most of those who blood O, less of them are affected by the coronavirus. We worry so much about the COVID virus. Professor Carl Pilmer, who is the professor of geontology, that means what? The study of aging, right? The study of aging. And uh, he wrote in his book, 30 Lessons for Living. He's from Cornell University, by the way. And he wrote this book so that we all can learn from the heart-worn wisdom of a generation that weathered the most devastating events of the 20th century and lived to tell the tale. Well, this is a message for the young, although we say this is MSF Sunday. The young sometimes will tell the old people, ah, you don't know anything. You don't know much. But the thing, the thing is that they found out that those seniors, they interviewed 1,200 seniors all over the world. And they found that they have the wisdom that will help the young people to weather the most difficult situations in their life. So young people don't mess with old people. Because why? We didn't, we didn't get this age by being stupid. And this tells us of a story, you know, the story of, uh, of this senior couple. They went to a restaurant to eat, and there was this special menu for seniors. And it consists of eggs, bacon, hash browns, and toast for $2.99 uh, $2 US dollars. So the wife says, wow, sounds good, but I don't want the eggs. So they went in and told the waitress, well, I don't want the eggs. And the waitress said, because you don't want the eggs, this is called a la carte. We have to charge you three ringgit, uh, $3.50 for it. And she said, you mean I have to pay more for not taking the eggs? And the waitress replied, yes. The wife said, okay, I will take the menu. The waitress said, how do you want your eggs to be? And she said, raw and in the shell. So what she did, she took the two eggs home and baked a cake. So don't mess with seniors. All right. They don't come to the age by being stupid. If we look at the second part of 
this passage. It was read. Consider the lilies how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If you are observant, uh, we have uh, two bouquets of lilies for this special MSF Sunday. So, when you leave the church for this service, please take out one and take home. And remember about the lilies. The ushers will give you one stock each. So, please take back the stock. The stock is one, 4 ringgit 50 cents per, per stock, so don't waste it. Verse 28. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the fire or the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O ye of little faith? Christ told the Galileans and the disciples, O you of little faith. The lilies of the, well, of the field reminds me of this film, which was made in 1963 and which starring Sidney Poitier. And uh, Sidney Poitier starred as uh, Homer Smith. And he quoted Luke 10 verse 7, The laborer is worthy of his hire to Mother Maria to be paid for his work. And you know what happened? Maria, Mother Maria replied these words, Consider the lilies. Oh, I like this film. I remember I watched this film when I was 12 years old. And some of you are senior citizens, you will remember this film. For the young people, some of you were not born yet. So you don't know about this film. So go home, huh? Google, uh, go to YouTube. It's a public domain. Go and watch the, the whole movie. It's a good movie. Consider the lilies. And what I like about this film is what? I can remember the song. He saying, Amen. Oh, I like that song which he sang, Sidney Poitier. Now, so the word consider in, in the, the phrase, consider like this. Word katanosete, which means, consider means to fix your eyes on or mind upon, to learn thoroughly, to examine closely. So when you take the lilies home today, don't just look at it. Consider the lily that you have in your hand and let you be reminded to consider the lilies rather than to worry, to remember Christ's words. The lilies, actually, which, talk, which uh, Jesus talked about, the Harper Collins Dictionary refers to the lilies of the field, is actually a poppy-like flower which is found, grown naturally in the hills in the Bible lands. It is actually called anemone coronaria, uh, which reminds us of conora, coronavirus. Uh. Conor, conor, uh, coronaria, conor, comes from corona. Corona means crown, means a crown. And those are beautiful flowers. And that's why Christ said what? Even Solomon is not arrayed in such beautiful clothes as compared to the lilies. They grow naturally. They are not cultivated. So Christ actually is a great gardener, a master gardener. Christ was able to use things of nature to explain to the Galileans things like the ravens, things like the flowers, like the lilies of the field. So it's not a true lily, as I've said. And that reminds us of Philippians 4, 7. When we say, consider the lilies, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, not something. Tell God what you did and thank Him for what He has done. 
then you will experience God's peace. I tell you, if you leave your worry at the cross of Jesus, you will have the peace which passes all understanding. And let's look at the final part. Embrace God's certainty. Christ told the Galileans and his disciples, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor you have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. I prefer Matthew 6, verse 33, because of the word first. But seek ye first. The word first was not found in Luke's gospel. In Matthew's gospel, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What is seeking first? It means what? To aim at, to strive after, to look, to look for it, to go after it, to search for it. And that's what it means by to seek first the kingdom of God. So in difficult times, friends, we are tempted to worry and we need to seek God above all else. Do we seek God when, when we are already at our wit's end? Do we seek God only after we have failed everything? The Bible tells us to seek Him first. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And don't forget the promise. It says what? And all these things shall be added unto you. And God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Today's daily bread. I was overjoyed because why? The key verse for today's daily bread, our daily bread, is Isaiah 55 verse 6. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. So in closing, friends, in this COVID situation, uh, social distancing uh, does not apply to God. Draw near to Him. Here you are, social distancing. But this social distancing does not apply to God at all. So, in conclusion, know the mighty God we serve not only holds the future, but He is sovereign. He controls the future. Be dependent on the Lord and constantly abide in Him. And do embrace God's certainty because God is certain. Let us pray. Sovereign God, we do not know about tomorrow, but you know what tomorrow will bring. In these uncertain times, Father, May we put our confidence, our trust in you. For you change not, your compassion fail not. As we consider the lilies of the field, may we be reminded of your providence. When our lives are out of control due to uncertainty, we have the assurance that you have everything under control. When the world is out of control, we need a saviour to carry us through and ever hide us in the rock of ages. Amen.